At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is Long Shots, VEASAN's premier golf betting podcast. Here's Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, and Kelly Bidlin. Hello and welcome to VEASAN's Long Shots, the Honda edition. It is Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, Kelly Bidlin coming to you. Wes, hot as a firecracker coming off another worldwide outright here Kelly and I just missed, but we're able to crank out a small profit with some live bets that we had going in to last week. So hopefully we can continue. Listen, we're on them, guys. We're on them. Everybody was hovering. Everyone's circling. So that's all we can ask for when we're doing these golf bets, Wes. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I, I, you know, I just want to do real quick in case people didn't catch the Monday side of things is like, you know, listen. We had some people tweeting at us saying like, ah, you know, you, you morons, what are you doing? You know, not betting John Rahm every single tournament and all this stuff like that. And it's like, you know, look, I get, I get that kind of results based take on all of this, but like, you know, I've been doing this long enough. You've been doing this long enough. Kelly's been doing this long enough. Like if you're betting seven to one, seven and a half to one, eight to one outrights every single mm-hmm. week, like your bankroll ain't going to last very long. It's just, it's just not going to last very long. And like, listen, maybe John Rom changes our mind on that. If he goes on some sort of ridiculous run over the next two months or something like that, we go, well, hell, we just can't fade this guy. He's basically tiger now, you know, in tiger's heyday. But until I see that with my own eyes, like, John Rahm was still an amazing golfer last year, and he still only won a couple of times. Like, uh, we, we, Scotty Scheffler is, was right there with John Rahm this past week on the odds board. He finished eight strokes off the lead. Rory was right there with John Rahm this past week on the odds board. Hell, Rory had to struggle to make the cut. I mean, like, it's not a foregone conclusion that these guys at the top are going to win every week. No, not at all. And, and I think, you know, it's hard to do this. I mean, it's easier to do single-digit guys when it's like the tour championship. Or something yeah. when there's 30 guys in the field or even one of the live events where there's only 48 guys in the field. You can't do it in a full field event where you had almost all of the top players. I think 23 of the top 25 in the current world golf rankings were in this field last week at the Genesis. So it's like it's easy to say, you know, hey, you know, you got to bet this guy every single week. And maybe he does have a Tiger year or a VJ Singh year in 2004 where he won mm. nine events. Maybe that's going to happen, but there's still a lot to be played here. And you know what? Look, I even took a co-favorite. I took Rory McIlroy at plus 950, Mm. and he finished 29th. So, you know, there really wasn't that much separation between Rahm and McIlroy. There certainly looks like it based at least on recent form, though. And, and Kelly, if we take a look at this, I mean, you know, it's one of those deals where – 
we are holding a 26 to 1 ticket, which then put us in a position to where we can get in on ROM live and yeah. still crank out a small profit, right? Like, like I, I, I was trying to explain this to, to people who were coming and saying like, well, why are you, why are you like talking about this, you know, this way? And all of a sudden like, I mean, because like, you know, if I had a ROM ticket and not a HOMA ticket, then mm-hmm. it doesn't work out that way for me, right? Like I had a HOMA ticket and not a ROM ticket. And it works out to where I can crank out a profit. And oh, by the way, John Rom was was a stroke behind on the back nine. It wasn't like right. this was a runaway or anything like that either. So again, I just kind of want to say there there is a method to all of this madness. And I know that sometimes it's it's easy to sit back and go like, oh yeah, you guys, it's it's not cool to say that you know you're taking one of the favorites. Which as Wes just mentioned, by the way, he did say that he took one of the favorites this past week or something. But you know, talking about getting clicks and what's sexy and what's not. But but Kelly, really, at the end of the day, it's we're just trying to make money. This isn't about clicks. This isn't about whatever. Like we're trying That's to win it. bets. Like I'm not going to not do something that I think is like going to make me money, you know, straight cash. homie. that's all we care about. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, that's uh, no, no, I, I think that's, that's well said. I, I, you know, Wes and I hit on this uh, a bunch yesterday and this was one. The other thing that's different is, okay, we're talking about John Rom. We all know he's an elite player in, uh, in golf right now, no matter what tour you're talking, no matter what country you're talking, no matter what, he's one of the elite guys. He can do this. We know that none of us are shocked that he's doing this. Um, I think the big, you know, the big difference, and Wes, I think it was you who brought this up yesterday because you're a smarter guy than I am, um, is just also, you know, we talk about some of those Tiger years and, and that VJ year and stuff. There's just not the level of competition that, like, right. that you're seeing in the PGA Tour these days either. So if you want to go out and fire on these, those short outrights every week, go ahead. But like you said, Matt, I don't think your bankroll's going to last very long. Make it through a season doing that. Uh, tip of the cap to you. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, like I think it's a it's a good case study. I think especially last week, unfortunately, because it's a. I mean, look, it's the second time that John Rahm's beat me out for for an outright finish this year yeah. already. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, look, we're still able to profit, right? And and it's because of because of the finishing position bets we all we always mention because of some tournament matchups because of you and I being in a good spot outright to live hedge because of a first round leader bet that I had that hit. Um, that, you know, I dead heated that, that you're, I'm able to walk away with a nice profit at the end of the week. Now I was hoping to get the, the double yes. banger, the first round leader in an outright home, Trust me. but, uh, <laughs> the 26 to one max home outright would have been much better for me, this week, you know, like, you know, but, yeah, but this is, it, this is what we talk about every week here though, where we try to drill home, right? It's, 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 it's securing a profit. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's going to be a small profit. Or even sometimes, like Wes and I were talking about this yesterday, sometimes even if it's a small losing week, a small losing week, if you're doing this week in and week out, is fine. It's fine. It's, it's, yeah. it's mitigating the massive losing weeks that you're trying to do, that you're trying to not have happen week after week. Yeah, so just, you know, I just really did want to want to drive that home here just at the top because, you know, we we preach this each and every week. That's the reason why we make the the placement market bets, the reasons why we make the head-to-heads, it's the reason why we do the different grouping bets, all the stuff like that is to try to kind of keep us afloat during during the season between outrights and oh by the way you know I don't I have no shame in the fact that I got in on John Rom on the back nine of the final day and was able to still make a profit on that like I, I don't see oh, yeah. where that is like makes me stupid or like less sharp or something like that I mean I was in a position to where I was able to still profit off of John Rom on the back nine of a, of a tournament I mean like you know the final day of the tournament so I don't I don't I don't know I don't I don't have any shame in that like whatsoever with I mean I could even I know we're, we're gonna obviously we're getting to the Honda Classic here on yeah. this episode but I think that's even a good comparison of what Sung JM's odds are are, uh, are in this field this week right in theory I'd rather play a guy 
If I had to choose between one of them, between John Rom last week and Sung JM this week, I'd probably prefer Sung JM this week in a mu- <laughs> in a much weaker field, right? Like, but I'm still not betting. Where he's won right. before. Where he's yeah. won before. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Wes. Let's uh, over at Veasan.com. Of course, everyone can get your full course breakdown here. But let's uh, let's talk about a little bit what we're going to see at the Honda. Yeah, and uh, look, uh, this. They're in a tough spot. Kelly and I were talking yes. about this yesterday. This is like the worst scheduling spot you could be in going after the two designated events out west. And then immediately before the API, the Arnold Palmer Invitational in Orlando, and then the Players Championship, which is the PGA Tours flagship event. So that's why the field quality is down, plus the fact that this course is hard. This is the hardest non major yes. course on the PGA tour. And a lot of guys, maybe this is an easy week for them to take off. Some of the top right. guys, like they don't do want to really, go struggle, right? Yeah, they right. don't want to go struggle. Like, I mean, right. It's like, do I really want to take on PGA national this week <laughs> when I got to prep for the players? I've got the masters in a month and a half. I've got the match play at WGC event. So it's like, this was an easy week for them to take off. So that's why you see the field, you know, very much declined over the for the last several years. Uh, of course, this is the last year Honda's going to sponsor this. They've been out there 42 years. They've been the title sponsor of this event here. So I hope that the event is not in jeopardy because, you know, this event does have a lot of history. They still get a lot of spectators there. But, you know, like we were saying, PGA National – this is the hardest non-major course. It's a par 70, 71, 25. You got water in play on 15 of 18 holes. Unlike last week at Riviera, where you had zero water, eight of the 15 holes, you got to carry over water on your approach. It's susceptible to win. Most water balls of any course on the PGA Tour over the last four years. So the rough's not all that penal, but there's plenty of penalty out there. And that's why you see this has the highest double bogey or worse percentage on the PGA Tour, I think the average round score over the last five years is one and a half strokes over par. Yeah, if we take a look at, at this again, like we're going to look at some some bigger-ish green, 7,000 square feet. They're going to be Bermuda with a little bit of rye over, uh, overseed here. And and the fairway width is going to be about 30 yards, which is a little bit below average as well. You talk about that whole 15 to 17 bear trap is going to be something that everyone's going to talk about all week long. And listen... It's the hardest, one of the hardest three hole stretches on tour, but it's not even like the hardest holes on the course. Like the sixth yeah. hole has a 37% bogey or double bogey rate. The 10th has a 28% bogey rate. The 14th has a 22% bogey rate. So it's kind of like, man, this is like, you're going to hear a ton about 15 to 17, but really 6, 10, and 14 are like miserable holes too, Kelly. Yeah, you really got it. It's uh, and I was lucky. This was the tournament I was able to cover for several years, living down in mm-hmm. South Florida, working with local news down there. And this was, uh, look, it's it's Bear Trap always gets the headlines, obviously because the great name. But you're right. It's there's really three stretches. It's that five, six, seven, the ten, eleven, and then the fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and they're all brutal. Uh, like Wes talked about the water going from you know you're going from somewhere where there's no water that you're playing at all to water mm-hmm. hazards on fifteen of these holes. And the one thing that, like, look, we, we we dive into the stats and so much of the stuff and the details of the course um, and everything. The only thing I can I think I can provide extra from my experience on the ground there is that the the wind is such a factor that you don't, even if you live in the area, you don't really think about till you get out on the course because yeah. there's not there's not a lot of trees out there and it's 
yeah, it's like 10 miles away from the ocean, but you think you're far enough inland that if you're doing everything everyday life, you don't really feel the wind, but you get out there on a, on a flat course with no trees and almost like almost once every year I was out there, there'd be a moment where I'd be like, wow, it's like really windy out. And like, yeah. like it feels like it'd be hard to hit a golf ball. <laughs> look no further than last year. Yeah. Yeah. Look no further than last year. Yeah. Plus you're going to South Florida now. So rain. Like you couldn't right. even see his ass. Like uh, you couldn't even see him on the screen. Like the wind I was mean, coming I'm, sideways so bad. Yeah, I'm just talking about pure wind. But yes, add in yeah. the rain that you're going to get sporadically as well. Welcome to South Florida. That's going to happen too. Um, man, I don't know. Especially this year, and we're going to get to the field to, for in a second. But this year, I, I found it especially brutal to kind of handicap this tournament and find bets that I really wanted to bet because it is tough. Yeah, so Wes, that's actually just kind of a, a roundtable discussion I did want to have here bef- as we kind of get in get into the odds. Um, just real quick as we close out the course, cut line has been over par for the last ten years. So just if your guy is sitting at plus one or plus two, don't don't go crazy because again, right. it's like the cut line's been over par for the last ten years. And then you know we look at this odds board, so we might as well go ahead and, and get to it here now. There is some stuff that you're going to maybe hear by some people that I think is a little bit off track here because there's going to be some people who say, oh, yeah, look at the top of the odds board and like these guys are so short. And but for the for the last 11 champs were were 20 to one or shorter. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's a fact, Wes. But those guys were Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Adam Scott and Rory right. McElroy. And ain't nobody right. in that in this field like that quality of those guys. Right. And and when you look at the recent winners, too, the lowest score under par for four days was a 268. That was Matt Jones in 2021 over the last decade. And he was like a 70 to one. Sepp Straka last year, 125 to one. Uh, Kashmir Keith Mitchell in 2019, 300 to one. Patty Harrington, 400 to one when he beat Daniel Berger in that playoff. So when you look at the recent odds, yeah, there were short guys, Thomas, Fowler, Scott, mm-hmm. Rory, but there were bombs here too. There's a couple I didn't mention. Russell Henley, 300 to 1 in 2014. Michael Thompson, 300 to 1 in 2013. So you've either gotten real short guys or pretty much bombs here over the last like decade plus. Yeah, so that's something here when you see a 10, 10 to 1 next to Sung JM and a 16 next to Shane Lowry and Aaron Wise at 22, Horschel 25, who's in the worst form maybe of his career, Alex Noren 25, Minwoo Lee coming in at 28, Denny McCarthy 28, Kucher and Chris Kirk, Adams Vinson all at 30, Thomas Dietrich 35, as is Taylor Pendrith, Jonathan Vegas, JT Poston, and Harris English. So these are all guys that we're used to seeing either much higher double digits or even triple digits next to their name and certainly triple digits next to these next group of guys like Cam Davis, Adrian Morocco, Will Gordon, Robbie Shelton, Lee Hodges. These are all guys for sure that we've seen triple digits on with their name. And again, they're coming in in the 40 to 50 ish type of range here. So guys, that is just what we have this week from an odds board perspective. This is just kind of what the, the hand that we're dealt. And Kelly, I think this alludes to what you were saying just a second ago. For me, I don't have a lot of inkling to play any of the names towards the top of the board. And honestly, I'm not super excited about my card this week. Now, look, that doesn't mean I'm not going to watch the tournament. It doesn't mean I'm not going to have some bets, but in such a highly volatile tournament where you do have water on 15 of 18 holes, like playing a guy like Sung JM at 10 to one. Yeah. He's the best player in the field for sure. He's the class of the field for sure. And even a Shane Lowry at 16 to one, 
it just doesn't, to me, make a lot of sense because they're one errant tee shot or one weird approach shot away from, from not being able to win this thing. Whereas, so Jason Day, had, there's this quote where Jason Day was asked like why he didn't like playing this tournament, why he didn't want to play the tournament. He's like, he's like, because you can't scramble out of water, you know? And like, yeah. he's like, you can't, like, he's like, once you dunk one, like, he's like, I can play from around a tree and I can like do yeah. all these, like, you know, stuff like that. If I drive it into the, you know, deep road, he's like, I can't do that out of water, you know? And so for me, the top of the odds board was almost like, immediately scratched off. Yeah, I, w- I was the same way, at least for, from an outright perspective. I think they're, look, I, Lowry's actually a guy I bet pretty heavily this week, but in different markets. I think mm-hmm. that, I think it's just an overall betting conversation. Oh, do I have some bad news for you on Lowry then? We'll get to Are that. Are you serious? What are we, WD or an injury or something? No, no. So, so, Shane Lauer was on PGA Tour Radio and I just happened to be listening to it and it was yeah. after, it was after this, the, the tournament this past week and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna play. Uh, I'm gonna play the Honda. Uh, it, look, here's the deal. I'm gonna be practicing anyway, and it's five minutes from my house. So I figure if I'm gonna be practicing anyway, I might as well just play the tournament. Well, that's and a so it's quote. so yeah. So he's basically <laughs> saying like it's five minutes from his house. So he's like, if I'm gonna be practicing during the week anyway, I might as well just go five minutes down the road and play this tournament. And so like, it didn't sound like he was super so, into playing the tournament. <laughs> All right, really? I, the, I don't. The, the thing is, I don't buy some of that though, because if that was the attitude that all these golfers shared, then this field would be a lot more impressive, right? If they thought this was an easy place to go practice at, um, I don't know. What, well, I guess we'll see. But I, I love the, the, those guys that all live around that area. He's part of the reason why I targeted him. Um, I mean, they all get experience on this course. They're there for one reason or another throughout the year. There's charity events out there. Um, all that kind of stuff, but just more from a bit be- more, more of a, like more betting strategy that I went into with this is, okay. I don't think there's a lot of outrights here because when you start talking about guys that are away from the top of that board, you know, what's the real, what's the win? How many wins do some of these guys have? Right. We talk about win equity. So how many guys can get this done for four days in a row? on one of the t- toughest golf courses, uh, that you're going to see all year. I don't know how much I trust that. Um, I think that I'm going to end up having more, not more money, but more first-round leader bets than I am actually going to have outright bets because I'd rather take shots on some of these guys that I think are going to be, that can't close over a series of four days, but might be able to get out there for one day and put up a low number. I also think, Matt, talking about where you're going in the water, I think I think finishing position markets are tough to bet this week because of how bunched together that leaderboard is. You dunk one in the water. I mean, we're going to see 10 unders. Like you get to double digits, probably wins this thing. So you dunk one in the water. You could easily go from T15 to T28, right, in a series over one hole. So I don't know how much I'm going to be investing in top 20s, top 40s, oh. and stuff like that week. Yeah, yes. previewed a little later in the show. I don't have any in my account right now. Yeah. I don't have a single placement market bet in my account right now. I don't, I don't know if I will. Wes, so a, a strategy that I've used at this tournament in the past, and, and you know, I, I wanted to run this by you and see what you think. So I typically don't bet a ton of outrights beforehand because of, like we're talking about, the volatility of this course is so much where, like, I don't know if there's a ton of value in Sungjae at 10 to 1 because the likelihood of him just running away and hiding in this tournament is probably not all that likely. And maybe after a day one or after a day two, even if he's four strokes off the lead or five strokes off the lead, like that is not that is not crazy to think that that eight guys in front of him 
have bad rounds, the weather gets weird during like whatever the splits are, any kind of anything like that. Like, I just don't know for me if, if, if there's anything in this kind of upper echelon of these guys that could really talk me into a bet. Whereas I think I might very highly likely get a better number on them in tournament at some point. Well, I think this is probably a really good live betting event when you really look Mm. at it, because you you just don't want to go. I think, you know, the year that like Rory and the year like Ricky won, we were talking about a minute ago, those were much stronger fields Mm. than, than this field is just this year in terms of depth, in terms of quality. So yeah, I, I think that this is this is more of a crapshoot event. So mm. this is where, you know, you can actually get on a live price to try to, like, maybe make some money instead of, like, either hedging or mm-hmm. mitigating losses. Like, last week was obviously a favorite yeah. in John Rahm, where, you know, if you get in basically in the fourth round when he went to plus money, when Homa took that one-shot lead on the back nine. But whereas this, you're going to have a wide variety of prices. I don't think you're going to see what we saw last week where it was like, okay, it's going to be priced like it's a three-guy tournament because mm-hmm. Cantlay, certainly, I think he got there a little bit into high single digits when he went out right third. But it was pretty much Homa and Rom like plus a dollar, plus a dollar fifty. That was basically yep. the variance until the final few holes. And I don't think you're going to get that. You're probably going to get like a guy that might be two shots back with like six or seven to play that's going to be 30 or 40 to one that has a chance to like post a number. That's kind of exactly where, where I'm going with this and exactly how I'm going to target this, uh, this tournament. It's like where I will typically play six, seven outrights or something like that. I think I have three in the account as we are right now. And I'm going to hold back three or four that I'm just going to fire kind of in tournament with all that. So Kelly, that kind of gets us to our, our, our next thing here. So what, what stats mattered to you? What did you plug into the model as you were kind of running through everything here as we head into the Honda. Yeah, I think one that, you know, we never used to talk about that much with this course, you know, five, six years ago, but it's kind of, it's kind of proven, uh, proven out over the past, you know, pa- over this past five, six years is that distance off the tee matters a little bit more than you would think here than, uh, uh, you know, that you would think on a smaller golf course, but it's really because of the conditions that you, that, that you could be suffering through, instead of hitting a long iron, you'd rather be hitting a short wedge. We kind of talked a little bit about that, or, or shorter iron uh, uh, this week. We kind of talked a little bit about that last week, too. So I did focus uh, a fair amount off the tee stuff, sort of off the tee, uh, a little bit of driving distance, and kind of good drives. It, the rough shouldn't be brutal. Like, this is one of those courses, like, the fairways are small, the rough shouldn't be brutal. It's one of those courses, you just want to stay out of the water. So as long as you're not, you know, slicing into the water... You, you should be pretty okay. Um, heavy strokes gained approach here. Strokes gained par fours. We only got is a par 70 right now, only two par fives. Um, so heavy par fours. Uh, just did regular strokes gained par fours. Um, factored in greens and regulations gains, some scrambling opportunities gained, big greens, so three putt avoidance, uh, and then bogey avoidance and double bogey avoidance. That was my model this week, plugging a lot of things in there um, and kind of spread it, spreading out the Ooh. weighting. Uh, but you know, I'm interested bit- to hear. I'm interested to see the the results here because, yeah, that is okay. your, yours is a little bit more, a little bit more complicated, I think, than that yeah. I went in with all this. West, uh, before we get to before we get to the, all the stuff in your model here, the driving distance thing, I think, is something that people are going to maybe want to look at and focus on here. And I'll, I'll tell you, the re- Kelly did it, and I'll tell you the reason I did it as well. And I don't think it's necessarily off of the tee that I'm worried about from a driving distance standpoint. I'm just kind of using my logic in the fact that if you're longer off the tee, 
you're probably longer with your with your irons and everything as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like you just hit the ball further. And so for me, the reason I actually factored in driving distance was more just because I want to see these guys that are going to be able to hit like, you know, a four iron or a three iron or something like that. Like I understand that the driving distance in general is going to be far lower at this tournament than, than other tournament I think It's like 12 yards, like on average lower, you know, from a driving distance standpoint. But I think it's because a lot of these people are clubbing down. They're not yeah. using their, their, the, what they can actually do. And then the guys that are longer, they're going to be able to just hit it further as it is anyway. So instead of playing a, you know, instead of playing a, a six iron in, they might be able to play a seven iron in. They might be able to whatever. Like, so that's kind of how I did it. Not necessarily what I think they're going to do off the tee necessarily itself, but just kind of like the whole, yeah, yeah, formula. Yeah. Yeah. I went a little bit more uh, SGOTT on this mm-hmm. one because the last seven winners here have actually ranked at least in the top 13 in the category. So that's what I use coming in. I think you could use distance. I think that there's some overlap there, too, with SGOTT. Because when you really Mm -hmm. look at this, the average driving distance here, I think, is just a little bit under 278 yards for what the reason that Matt just mentioned in terms of clubbing down. But even with the clubbing down, the driving accuracy is only 60% or a little bit above 60%. So this is actually the fourth toughest course to gain strokes off the tee. And then, you know, mentioned approach that Kelly used in his model. This is the number one course on the PGA Tour in terms of difficulty to gain on approach shots from last season. Yeah, so when you're with with the stats that you plugged in, kind of how did you weight everything in your model? Yeah, uh, I mean, I I went a little bit heavier on approach. I just think when in doubt, you always go to the iron. So irons Mm. and off the tee is where I went. And that was probably about a little bit over half because I wanted to leave enough, I think, for the scrambling and all that stuff. Because these greens, these Bermuda greens, I mean, they're about average speed. So it's not like they're tricky for some players like Poa. I think Bermuda is a little bit more familiar to most of this field. So I used bogey avoidance. I used a little bit of scrambling gained simply because players are going to miss greens over 40% Mm -hmm. of the time. So I think that you had to use that. Uh, I didn't use this as much. I just kind of looked at it for context. Strokes gain total in difficult scoring conditions. You really can't yeah. go too deep because it's going to be a lot of the chalky guys, and that's what it ended up being. Sunjay was number one in that. Shane Lowry was number three. So, you know, that, that begs the question. So that wasn't a surprise. Uh, small par four scoring, but I didn't really do too much in that. I didn't do a lot with the putting. I did look at least at the Bermuda putting, maybe didn't weigh it very much. And then, you know, a little bit of three putt avoidance. So about half of it was ball striking and half of it was kind of like your variables, like your scrambling and your bogey avoidance and your three putt avoidance. Yeah. So I, yeah, this is interesting. So I'm very curious as to how we, what, what conclusions we came to. I did, I did. I was pretty heavy on approach, but I was pretty heavy on approach and and then breaking down as well. Which look, proximity is just a a factor of approach as well. So like, I had twenty like percent onto approach, and then six percent in one twenty five to one fifty, one fifty to one seventy five, and then one seventy five to two hundred. If we take a look how this is historically broken down, only eleven percent of approaches come from inside one hundred and twenty five yards, which leads to us to uh, which lends to the fact that of us talking about them clubbing down a ton. So wedge play doesn't really even factor in here so much. Where sixty five percent 
of the approaches come from 125 to 200. So if we just look at last year alone, 20% 125 to 150, 23% 150 to 175, and then 20% 175 to 200. So I kind of like did approach overall and then dropped it into buckets as well. I did pretty heavy off the tee. Um, 12% off the tee, 6% good drives, and then 6% driving distance. So I actually have a pretty decent amount of of off the tee stuff weighed in. 10% scrambling, 10% bogey avoidance. I did 8% around the green as well. And then I also did a little bit of of putting 5 to 10 feet, and which I really rarely Mm. ever do. But for whatever reason, this is one of the hardest courses on tour to put on inside of 15 feet. And a lot of that has to do with what you were talking about, Kelly. The winds are so prevalent yep. that the, the greens over the course of the tournament just dry the hell out like so badly that like the putting almost becomes impossible like by the day three and day four so long as there's no rain. And so we've kind of seen that for whatever reason, these dudes can't make like putts inside of, of, of 10 feet very often. And so I actually put that in into the model just to kind of see it's more of a tiebreaker than anything right. else. Right. But like, if I'm, if I'm, if I was guessing between this guy and this guy and like, but this guy's really good at this and this guy's terrible at it, then I would just lean the other direction. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's really interesting when it, I mean, again, it's back to a, a Florida coastal course, right? So you're talking mm. the, the extremes that, that is something that, that I think it's very true here, Matt, where, where it's mm. in general, these greens aren't overly difficult to put on for most of these guys. But one of two things can happen. You can have a rainy day where they get waterlogged and they they play completely different. Or what you're talking about, Matt, that totally happens. I've heard a lot of those golfers talk post-round about that, where the wind not only affects them more than they think putting, the actual wind itself, but then dries out the green so much mm-hmm. over a course of a round that they get surprised by speed then by the at the end. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. And, of course, we will give you how our models spit out the different guys and what bets we're on here. But first... Let's head around the world with Wes Reynolds. Dad, that's what that's where it's been most successful this year. It hasn't been as much <laughs> yeah, on the PGA yeah. Tour. So. Everybody should be listening right now. <laughs> that's why I stick with it. There was somebody, uh, one of our colleagues at Beeson, like, maybe we shouldn't do the DP World Tour. I'm like, hell yeah, we're going to keep the DP World Tour for now. Because that's what we're doing. Yeah, I know. Uh, by the way, the DP World Tour, they stay in Asia. The Indian Open, uh, the winner last week for us was Chorborn Olsen at the Thailand Classic. Got home for us at 22-1, to 1, uh, finished 24 under, uh, four strokes over Yannick Paul. No surprise that Chorborn Olsen is cut virtually in half, and actually I saw him cut lower to like 8-1 to one here at the Indian Open. Now, this is a really tricky course, by the way, at the Indian Open. It's kind of quirky, but I but I really like it. They haven't had this event, actually, for three years because of COVID-19. So it's now under the DP World Tour and the Professional uh, Golf Tour of India auspices. It's a Gary Player design called the DLF Golf and Country Club. Par 72, 7380, a lot of undulation, narrow fairways, very thick, rough, considered one of the tougher ones in all of Asia. So you look at this, you haven't really seen a lot of low scores uh, ever since this has moved to the DLF. Uh, 2017 SSP Chirasia was 10 under par. Matt Wallace, who won this in 2018 in a playoff over Beef Johnston, 11 under par. Stevie Gallagher, 9 under par back in 2019. And then this was on the Professional Golf Tour of India last year. Winning score was 11 under par. So you're not, this isn't going to be a birdie fest. This is going to be a grind, and you got to be able to embrace it. So 
I went with a few guys that have basically been playing solid lately. Jeon Hun Wong, uh, 25 to 1, second last week at the Thailand Classic for Strokes Gain Approach, ended up finishing eighth, third the week prior in Singapore in the same category. Uh, he's been in contention in four of his last 11 starts, actually just returned from military service as required for South Korean uh, natives that uh, just had last year. So Jun Hun Wan, uh, 25 to one Kazuki Higa, a Japanese player, 28 to one got his DP world tour card last year, four victories on the Japan tour. Uh, 11th last week in Thailand, second for putting last week. Pablo Larafabal, he's kind of like a mainstay, like a veteran guy that I go with, especially early in the year when he won twice, actually, early in 2022. Fourth here on debut in 2018 and was third after 54 holes in 2019 before he ended up falling apart in the final round, finishing 39th. Alexander Nappi, who if you watched the Thailand Classic last week, you saw him on the leaderboard, ended up finishing T3, was third for ball striking in that event, 17th on debut in 2017. And then this is kind of a narrative street play. I have no stats or anything to back this up. I went with Alex Fitzpatrick at 90 to 1, who makes his debut here in 2023. And if you know that name, if you've been watching Full Swing on Netflix, that is the younger brother and uh, former U.S. amateur caddy of Matt Fitzpatrick, who won the U.S. Open last year. So that, if you've been watching Full Swing, one of the episodes was Matt Fitzpatrick finally winning on the PGA Tour, and it was at the U.S. Open at Brookline to boot. So maybe a little bit of positive mojo coming in there. And then uh, real quickly on Liv, that is in Mayakoba at El Camillion, where you used to have the PGA Tour event. Of course, that's a Greg Norman design, so it's going to be under the live auspices. Uh, I did go ahead and play four for at least a little bit of interest, even though I don't like this tour, and I know you guys don't either. I wish it didn't exist, but if we can make money at it, then then I guess uh, we go ahead and <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah, Mito Pereira, 20 to 1, might have a little bit of extra motivation on this uh, live debut now. He's officially part of this tour. He was sixth at the Saudi International, 11th in Oman the following week. Of course, he is part of one of the episodes on Full Swing where you see the meltdown at the PGA Championship, which I thank him for because I had Justin Thomas uh, who went ahead and won a playoff (laughs) at Southern Hills. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it was good to relive some of these, man. You know, hopefully this gets some good mojo going. Uh, Carlos Ortiz, 33 to 1. He, of course, is a native of Mexico. Abraham Answer is getting all the buzz who we hit on at the Saudi International a few weeks ago. He's kind of the trendy pick, but... Ortiz, I think, would really love to win this event in Mexico. He's been runner-up here twice, actually, in 2019 and in 2021. So he's not in great form, but I think he could go well. Jason Kokrak, 50-1, to started 2023 a couple top 20s in Saudi Arabia and Oman. And then a very tumultuous week for one Danny Lee at 100-1. He missed the cut at at Riviera. He was still in the field at the Honda. And he actually, I think, still counts in the world golf ranking calculation. I think he yeah. might still be until th- there's there is quite a controversy over. I think they right bumped him out today and put in Jeff Ogilvy or something. Okay. But yeah, he officially signed with Liv this week. But if you look, Mayakoba, even though it's been kind of tumultuous for him, Mayakoba actually he plays very well here. He's runner up here to Kucher in 2018 and then finished T7 here in 2021. So probably a good place to start. And look with the with the Liv stuff, guys, because there's not a lot of numbers out. For, for this, yeah. for live. So I'm kind of taking like a market aggregate of what I saw basically. And this is going to be something where I bet usually no more than three, even though I had four this week. 
that's kind of what I'm going to do. I took shots last year. I hit the first event with Schwarzel over there in London, but it's so hard to go deep because they don't give you a lot of data. They don't have a lot of strokes gain data or statistical data. You know, it's kind of a haphazard operation from that regard. And uh, your favorite team this week? Oh, I don't know. I think it might be the uh, <laughs> what's be, what's a, what, what is it the, the uh, four the, aces, the hosel nozzles or whatever, the, the slap yeah, asses the, or whatever. They're yeah, called, the, the hosel nozzles or whatever. Yes, yes, that's a, well, the, the, yeah. Somebody was, bagger. Yeah, the, the, the one though with Harold Varner and Bubba Watson, <laughs> I think. Uh, I just wanted to put him on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget the name. I don't know. I don't know the names. Of this. I could I name a single ridiculous. one. What was the one? Uh, Bu- it was Bubba got heat over, right? Whatever that one was, four aces or something. Well, the one this year is the Range Goats: uh, Bubba Watson, Harold Varner, Taylor Gooch, and now Thomas Peters, who uh, goes ahead and joins the Live Tour this week. So I don't really pay much attention to the team stuff. I just think it's so funny. It's like you know, the slap asses are one ahead of the buttheads. <laughs> you know, like that's how it is yeah. to me. Oh, there's a birdie for the buttheads. They're just one back, you know. So, I could, I love team golf when it's the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup right. or college golf. Right. I don't care for this. I mean, like, who's going to remember that the four aces won the Live Championship? Yeah, no, th- definitely. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. But again, Wes has been red hot with these uh, ancillary tournaments. So be sure and listen to that section. Yet again, we're going to step aside for just a quick message uh, from our sponsors here. And when we come back, of course, our full rundown of our card. What did our models throw out? What do we have in our account? What are we thinking about betting here for the Honda Classic? At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Here are three reasons Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. We use food-grade ingredients. We have a wide selection of varieties, and they all come in two strengths. Find Zinn at a store near you. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. 
And we are back, Matt, Wes, and Kelly. And it is about that time for us to run down the bets in our account, what our models spit out, what the numbers say here. But guys, before we get going, if you don't mind, hit the pause button, go down below, hit the little five star. Boom. That's all you got to do. We could really appreciate that. Help us climb these charts as well. And then also, if you want to say some kind words, if you do want to review as well, we are all about that. Really do appreciate it. We've gotten some really, really good uh, subscription numbers as well. You can hit that subscribe button too so that this thing just ends up in your podcast feed every single time we post an episode and really does help us out a lot. Absolutely free to do that. So if you don't mind, we will get to it right now. So Kelly, you ran your numbers. You did your stuff. You uh, got some names that spit out. So what did your model tell you? I imagine ours, all of ours, no matter what we did, said about the same thing where Lowry and M are just going to be towards the top of every single version of everything. Yeah, that and then a bunch of scrubs. Uh, we got yeah. we got some Ben Griffins and some Michael Kane, uh, Kims and uh, yeah, yeah Thomas Thomas Dietrich. I think we all uh, we all think can be pretty good. I just I look. I think this is I I'm gonna always have in the back of my mind that uh, I I want guys that have at least played this course once or twice. I don't really know if I care how much success they've had. But I think you need to at least be used to used to playing here a little bit. So uh, that made it a little tough for me. But yeah, the uh, Ben Griffins, uh, Joseph Bramlett was very high up there for me. Um, kind of across the board. Will Gordon, that was another name yep. that spiked in a mm-hmm. bunch a bunch of them for me. Um, yeah, th- those are the kind of guys. I want to say honestly, those are, those are the most common names through through the models I ran. Um, you know, once I go back a little bit further, looking 36 and beyond, uh, you got Nick Hardy up there and Hayden Buckley. Uh, I think I'm done losing money on him, though, as of recent. Uh, you know, Lee Hodges is up there, Lanto Griffin, uh, all those guys in the top 10. But, you know, pretty, you know, like we like to see some of the some of the same names across the different time ranges, but it's just, it's a bunch of scrubs, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. And, like, that's where, herein lies why this is such a, a crazy tournament and such a weird tournament to to bet because we have to try and figure out which one of these scrubs is going to win because somebody's going to win this tournament, right? I mean, like it's going to happen. Somebody's going to win this thing. So Wes, as you ran yours, what names uh, let, you know, look, I, I, we, we kind of know the name, like we said, Sung Jay, we know Lowry's going to be up there, whatever, but like, what were the recurring names on yours and what kind of like really stuck out to you? A lot of similar names, but I'll add a few. Mm. Aaron Wise uh, hit a bunch Uh of my lists Uh, uh, from like the short game standpoint, a lot of Aaron Baddeley, a lot of Danny yes. Willett yes. uh, is, is, is what I got in terms of the short game. A lot of Matt Kuchar, too, of course. Uh, yeah. you know, he had a very good finish at Riviera last week. And then when I went a lot to my ball striking stuff, uh, a lot of the usual names, a lot of Lee Hodges, some Robbie Shelton as well, uh, a couple Ben Martins uh, ended up being there, Hayden Buckley, Will Gordon, I'll echo Kelly on that, Johnny Vegas as well, so... You know, it's it's always interesting when I kind of compare my ball striking guys and then, you know, the short game guys, anything that you use mm-hmm. for, for scrambling or strokes gain around the green and then to see them like be totally different. Yeah, Aaron Wise, Alex Norin, pretty much at the top of all of the ones that I ran. I don't ever get either one of those guys right. Uh, so it's very tough <laughs> me either, for me yeah. to bet those guys. I, I, I just, it's like every time I'm on them, they're terrible. Every time I'm off, they're contending. Uh, I, I can't seem to get those guys right. But just to put it out there, they were certainly popping 
in a lot of the things that I'm looking at. Similar, a lot of the same names. I'm glad you brought up Badly, uh, Wes. He also, in the weighted models that I've ran, was inside the top 12, actually, in various different, you know, I, I run like kind of like 40, 24, and then and then 16 on that one. And, and he was up there as well. So that's a guy that I'm at least maybe going to consider. I haven't don't have it in the account quite yet, but maybe mm-hmm. that's a guy that I could find myself considering. Um, the other two I, I do want to bring up. So, Wes, what do you read into Lee Hodges? Because he was all over mine as well. We see him yeah. perform well last week. That said, it is the flight across country and coming and playing and whatever. I, but he he was a name that was just at the very top of pretty much every version of everything that I ran. Yeah, I mean, these are he is one of that crop, and I will put uh, Robbie Shelton in there too. Guys that have recently kind of come off the Corn Ferry a little bit that you think, you know, when you look at the graduates on the Corn Ferry Tour, it's like, okay, these are guys that can win out here. But Hodges, mm-hmm. until last week, Missed the cut in Phoenix, uh, missed the cut at Farmers, missed the cut at the Amex, missed the cut at the RSM, missed the cut at the Houston Open. I think the best finish he's had in recent form was the CJ Cup at Congaree down in South Carolina, T7. So I didn't really know, you know, how far deep to go with Lee Hodges. He was certainly a consider, Mm -hmm. but I was like, man, I I just don't know when I'm looking at this guy because I want to look and see also guys that – like Kelly mentioned, that have played the course. Now, he played it once last year and was ninth. Interestingly enough, Aaron Baddeley, who you would think has played this event a bunch of times, he didn't come up on my form sheet that I use. Uh, by the way, mm-hmm. it's Mike Mike Miller is the guy at Smart Golf Bets I use. It's a free sheet where you get kind of that little spreadsheet of recent form and also course form. And I looked at Aaron Baddeley. I'm like, well, he hadn't played this in like well over a decade. So, that's what kind of kept me off of him because I was very interested when I saw those, you know, those short game numbers. Yeah, fairly. So I think the only other name I did want to bring up that I thought was was interesting that I actually had to go in and and really like look up and see like what's going on. Eric Barnes kept popping up in vol- multiple different like versions of of my model. And like I'm kind of like, Eric Barnes, like what in the hell am I like looking at here with? with all of this and so he was popping up all over the place now I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's done pretty well off the tee in three of his last four tournaments gaining 1.6 0.4 and one his approach numbers if he gained a little bit uh his putting numbers actually have been fantastic but he was he, he missed the cut at the Pebble Beach but was 13th at the Farmers he like a couple of other missed cuts but then 10th at the RSM so like it's a guy that I think maybe can get a little hot and maybe do some damage but again I again hasn't quite made the account yet but a super long number with that so Wes let's uh let's get to your bets here what bets are formally in your account Okay, yeah, I I went with I went with six, and even that was probably mm. a reach. Uh, you know, I wanted to leave room for one or two potential live mm. ads, but I started at thirty five to one, and you know, you don't often see guys with course form here, and this is a little bit of a stretch to say that this is course form because you know you might get a guy with two top tens here, and then he's got like three missed cuts, or he's got well, two yeah. missed yes. cuts and like a finish of fifty eighth. You don't get that consistent form, but. A reach on consistency, but 
Johnny Vegas, you know, for an event that doesn't yeah. that has a lot of variants like the Honda Classic, six straight cuts here at the Honda, nine cuts out of ten career appearances here, and he's made three of three this year. He was injured a lot last year in 2022. Last week at the Genesis, he was T56, but he was fifth in ball striking. Fifth for driving distance, 27th in accuracy, 19th in GIR, that's greens and regulation, and that meant 20th in approach, 17th tee to green. And I think maybe in a drop in class, look, I hate the number. We were talking about how we hate our card. I hate the fact that I've got Johnny Vegas at 35 to 1 with how many times (laughs) I bet him at like 70 to 1, you know, and I like hate it. But, but, you know, he fit. He was up there uh, when I looked at the 36 uh, round models and stuff. He was right up there off the tee. I think on approach, he was 13th over the last 36 rounds, and off the tee, he was fourth. So the ball striking, if it can be good, you know, maybe that mediocre putting at best that he has, it's not going to make a difference, at least if he's setting himself up for, you know, good putts instead of like for bogeys, like some of these other guys might be. Another guy, player that I like here, I hate the number. And it got hit immediately. Adam Svensson, 36 to 1. Mm-hmm. Top 10 at Riviera last week. Third around the green, knife putting, 10th scrambling. If he was able to do that well on the relatively unfamiliar POA, I think he might be able to do well on Bermuda because he is based actually right here in Palm Beach Gardens, played his golf uh, at nearby Barry University. Uh, Kelly's going to know all these different locations I oh, mentioned yeah. in South Florida with some of these <laughs> angles. A win on this track actually is the medalist at the Q School when it was the Web.com Tour in 2015. So Svensson, 36 to 1. Hayden Buckley, we mentioned earlier, 50 to 1. I mentioned the last seven winners have ranked in the top 13 on the PGA Tour for strokes gained off the tee. And I know we usually model like last 24, last 36, mm-hmm. last 50. So we don't usually look at PGATour.com for like the season stats, but. You know, guess who is right up there in strokes gained off the tee? Johnny Vegas actually is number one for this wraparound season. And Hayden Buckley is not far behind at fifth. And I also think when you look at correlated courses, and that's something that, you know, I kind of tend to look at. I put in like my course breakdown. Okay, what are some correlated courses here? And, you know, Innisbrook, Bay Hill, Concession, which is a Nicholas design, Quail Hollow, initially a uh, Tom Fazio design, Sawgrass. But one that I think has maybe one of the better correlations, if you look at guys that have won not only here at this event, but also uh, at the other event, is Wiley for the Sony Open. And who was the runner up in Wiley earlier this year to see Wu Kim? That would be Hayden Buckley. First in ball striking, first OTT, fifth in good drives gain, fifth in GIR gain on this field over the last 36 rounds. Robbie Shelton, 60 to 1, 20th at Pebble Beach in his last start. Six top 25s and 11 starts on tour since he got his uh, card off the Corn Ferry last fall. Two of those are top 10, six at the Amex, 10th at the RSM, 11th here on debut in 2020. Former world number two amateur. So I think a lot of people thought Robbie Shelton's going to have some stardom here. And it didn't work out his first time on the PGA Tour, but maybe it'll be better the second time around. Danny Willett, 70 to 1. T18 last week at the Genesis, but fourth in scrambling, 16th T to green. Doesn't have the pressure of trying to get into Augusta because he's obviously a former champion, but right around Mm -hmm. 100th in the world. So you want to pick up those points, see if you can get in the U.S. Open, see if you can get in the uh, PGA. Uh, Short game is sharp right now. 
And the tee to green performance he actually had last week at Riviera was the best last fall since at the Fortinet where he kind of blew it against Max Homa. I was talking about how great his short game was when he like three putted from four feet and basically handed the tournament to Homa out in Napa Valley. But Danny Willett, 70 to one. And then here's a bomb that, you know, we talked about maybe placement markets are tough. This might be one that you can use though. Eric Cole, 150 to one. And I'll give a little background on Eric Cole, who's played a lot of mini tours uh, Mm -hmm. over the years, but finally got his PGA tour card off the corn ferry last fall and has made six of seven cuts since he's been on the PGA tour. He is the son of former PGA tour player, Bobby Cole and LPGA tour player, Laura ball. So, you know, he has some pedigree. I was just reading his background lives in Delray beach Played his golf at Nova Southeastern University, which is in Davie, where the Dolphins have had their uh, training camp for many years. Has a runner-up, actually, on this course at PJ National during his time on the on the minors and in the mini-tours. I think the local knowledge could pay dividends this week in a tournament where, you know, it's basically a crapshoot. So, Eric Cole, if you don't want to bet him outright, maybe in the top 20s or 30s or 40 markets, this guy could pay dividends. And then three matchups. Danny Willett, minus 130 over Gary Kigo. Lee Hodges, minus 115 over the defending champion, Seth Straka. Ryan Palmer, minus 115 over Patrick Harrington. Yeah, to, to your Eric Cole point quick, not that, it's, not that it's paid off too well for me in the past, but because of what you're talking about, this is where I would almost just blindly bet Berger and the Kepkas in the past because these guys grow, grew up right yeah. there. They played so much high school golf on this course and so many different rounds. On this course, the, the, there's a difference between guys that, you know, the Rory's and the Rickies and the Shane Lowry's that moved to Palm Beach Gardens, and then the guys like, that grow up in the area, right, and have to play all their youth golf uh, on mm-hmm. these on these uh, on these courses as well. So I uh, that was one I was not aware of, but uh, I like it, Wes. I like it. So uh, funny enough, we'll just go ahead and let the we'll just go ahead and spill the beans there. Uh, I have an Eric Cole ticket uh, okay. in, in the account. Eric Cole in my in the weighted model. See, that's what I was saying about. So one of the models that I'm able to run does pull in all of the statistics from Corn Ferry, from DP, from all the other tours and stuff like that. Eric Cole, ninth overall in that model. Yes, ninth overall ahead of names like JT Poston, Joseph Bramlett, Jonathan Vegas, Adam Spence, all these guys that we kind of like this week in this field. Ninth overall ahead of all of those guys, uh, only Sungjae, Kuchar, Norin, Kirk, Ben Griffin, Aaron Wise, and Thomas Dietrich ahead of Eric Cole in this version of the model. So I could not argue with the model spitting out a guy top 10 and getting triple digits on him in a tournament where we've had triple digit guy wins before, you know, like triple digits guys win. So uh, funny enough, uh, we end up on the same guy there. Kelly, what's in your uh, what's in your card? Good. No, I like listening. to. I was really more looking forward to listening to you two this week for bets I could possibly add. I was waiting for you to convince me on some guys. So you guys have done a good job so far right there. There's an Eric Cole one I'm going to add. I like it. I got two whole outrights in the account so far. There you go. Uh, Chris Kirk, 32 to 1, like you with Johnny Vegas, uh, Wes. I don't love the number. You know, you know what I mean? For a guy who doesn't win too much either. Uh, but uh, this is kind of what we're left with this event. Uh, 32 to one I got on him. He finished third at the Amex, third at, third at Sony Open, is one of those guys, kind of like you brought up with Johnny Vegas, of does have at least some decent history here. It was T7 last year, T25 the year before that. And like you mentioned, Wes throwing a couple cuts then, right? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But now he's a guy I ended up playing 32 to one. I think in this weekend field, that number still felt a little long on him, actually. Um, 
Now, that goes, that is basically, he did spike in my last 12-round model, drops off after that just because of how much I weighted the the uh, off-the-tee stuff, right? He, he is, you know, 96th in the field in driving distance, so he's not going to spike in everything that I ran, but he was 6th in my last 12-round model. Um, so respect that. And then uh, Matt Brown, you're going to like this one. I couldn't pass right. this up at triple di- digits. A guy who's just kind of getting healthy. He's starting to round into form. I think this is a big number on one of the more quality players in the in the uh, tournament. Give me some Charlie the Hoff Hoffman oh, uh, the coming Hoff. back here. 130 to 1, a 14th at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, 48th at the AT&T Pebble Beach. A lot of missed cuts before that, dealt with a lot of injury stuff last year. I watched, I watched a lot of him at Waste Management, and uh, yeah, I think his game's coming back at the right time. So I think triple digits, I'll, I'll take that on a guy who, I, I at least skill-wise, I think is a lot better when he's healthy than most of the guys in this field. So that's my entire outright card. Like you guys talked about, I will definitely be looking to get in live. Johnny Vegas is one of the guys that I did have circled. Um, I do have one placement mark, uh, bet on him. We'll get to that in a bit. But uh, he is one of the guys that I had circled to hop in live on. Um, and, and there's a few guys like that. I do think this is a good live betting opportunity this weekend. Yes. Yeah, so for me, I started at 28 to 1, which is a little bit shorter than I really wanted to go to. But This is just riding form in a tournament in which I think it's kind of wide open. Wes is going to be very, very familiar with how hot Minwoo Lee is right now. Wait for someone to go there. (laughs) So if you go back to his last eight tournaments, third, third, T8, 12th, T4, third, T2, T13. The guy does not have a finish lower than 13th in his last eight starts. Now, these are all European tour starts. So I will go ahead and put that caveat out there. These are none of those results happened on American soil, but the guys coming in red hot and as bad a good a form as anybody could possibly be in. And we're all, and we're, we have said a million times in this podcast that this tournament's highly variable and like, there's tons of different ways that people can win this. So can I follow uh, I'm up all over, with something you know, on, yeah. on Minwoo yes. though? Uh, this guy watch him over the next few weeks because he is very, very close to that top 50 in the OWGR, and I think he can get in the top 50. That is, uh, I think there's a qualification deadline just for the Players' Championship. So Minwoo Lee, mm-hmm. and the guy I get this from, is it goes by Nosferatu at VC606. Mm-hmm. He's like the guru of the official world golf rankings. And Minwoo Lee right now is 51st, and he has to get in that top 50. So he is very close also to uh, to getting in the Masters, where he actually played very well last year, but kind of fell out on Sunday, where you had to be in like the top 12 to get in the Masters. So I almost played Moon Woo Lee this week, because mm-hmm. I think he is right there in terms of the world golf rankings. He's currently 47th, actually, in the rankings. So if at the, at the end of March, if he's in the top 50, he's going to Augusta. Uh, next guy, 40 to one Taylor Pendrith. Uh, he, in this weighted model that I run was, was way up there in just kind of his statistics comparable to the competition that he's playing in this field. And I I just think that if you kind of look at the prototypical golfer that has had success here, kind of like what we're looking at, he checks a lot of the boxes for me. Now he doesn't check all of them. He's certainly a dude that is pretty frustrating to bet here. Um, 
to, to bet several different times so far this season. But again, checked enough of the boxes for me that where he ranked in the model didn't really add up to, to kind of the odds here, even though 40 to one on Taylor Pendrith is certain something that was hard to swallow. You mentioned him, Kelly, in your model. You didn't bet him, but I have Joseph Bramlett, 60 to one. Um, again, another dude that was just consistently peppering the top 12 of yeah. every version of every model that I ran. I don't love the I mean, there's a lot of holes in his game for sure. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, there are things that are going to drive you absolutely crazy with all of this. But again, in this field, I'm looking at a dude who's pretty long, who has pretty good bogey avoidance, who is, you know, the, check some of the boxes here. And again, it's just, it's a week in which like some of these guys I think can break through and win. Look, this is a, this is a model play. I'm being a slave to the numbers. Yeah. Look, Ben Griffin is like literally in the top five of every damn thing that I ran. Like, I just, like it's like, it's like, so it's 70 to one. This is a guy that we like get at a hundred. We like to get this guy to 110 to one again, weak field. It is what it is, but literally I, if he won and I ignored what these, what the damn computers have spit out to me over and over and over again, I feel like an idiot. So it's like, listen, the guy's in the top five of basically every single one that I ran. So I have to go with Ben Griffin here. Matt, uh, he uh, is he is yeah. fifth in my last twelve, and he is first in my last twenty four and last twenty six. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Six. Yeah, it's like that's what I'm saying. Like I just can't do it. I can't. Like I would feel yeah. so stupid if he went out and won. So I just have to. I just have to do it. You know. See, this and what I, uh, this is what I was looking for. You guys yeah. are helping me add some bets here. I like it. And then, like I said, Eric Cole uh, at that one twenty five. We already discussed him. The two guys that I am considering, and they may end up in the car with just small outright bets because that's what I do with these bombs. It's like I mentioned the Eric Barnes and Aaron Badley. Both of those guys just uh, again for whatever reason my models love them. Like the formulas that I put in and the weights that I put on certain things. Like they just. They just pop in this field, and so I'll decide whether I end up doing that or not. And so that's kind of uh, that's kind of where I'm at with this, Kelly. I know you don't have a lot in your account right yeah. now, but what what guy, if he wins the tournament, are you going to to hate yourself? Well, it probably would have been Ben Griffin, I guess, because of where he <laughs> ranked in my models. But I think I'm going to add him now. This is I really went. I've never gone into the podcast like this before, where I'm like. I don't have much. I really want to see what Matt and Wes have before I go and adding <laughs> any of these guys. Because again, so much of the bottle is just full of guys that haven't done much. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and I got close on Minwoo Lee, too. He's kind of a guy I got circled to look live. I, I think there's I think this is there's some good live opportunities uh, here. But no, for the number one guy I think would be the most mad at if you won and I didn't have would be Ben Griffin because he is, like you said, if we're gonna if we're gonna follow our models, he's number one in my last twenty four, my last thirty six for the stats that I punched in. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, he's one I had written down. Uh, I'm gonna be pretty upset. I would have been upset, but I think I'm gonna add him. So I, I don't think uh, I, I don't know who it moves on to. I think I'm gonna add him, and I'll probably add Bramlett now that you brought him up too, because he, <laughs> he was the last. He was the last on my chopping block. So he was. Let's see. Right. He's tenth in my last thirty six, but he's second in my last twenty four, my last twelve. Wes, what guy wins the tournament and, and drives you absolutely crazy? Well, one of them might be Minwoo Lee if I didn't bet him because <laughs> I was like, okay, he's, he's yeah. not played here before, but he is a class player. I mean, this guy is a top 50 guy in the world, but I think the market is kind of realizing that. So, look, last week it was Max Homa, and he, and he damn near won the thing, so maybe that's a good mm. omen uh, if uh, I don't play him, but... Yeah, there. I, I just look. These short guys could win, but 
just nothing for me. So it's like if Sun JM or Shane Lowry gets his revenge here where he should have won here last year where it started pouring on the AT&T, then so right. be it. Yeah. Yeah, I think mine's going to be Aaron Wise. He's actually the guy that I have circled to try to get in on if I can get a better number on him. It's just like, it, it, it for me, it's just the price. It's just a pricing thing on him, but he is so incredibly high. looks so great in every single thing that I ran. So that's kind of where I am with this. But Aaron Wise, the third guy on the odds board, is just a little tough for me to swallow. So trying to look to get in odd uh, live on, on, on wise at some point, but if he won, that would, that would hurt because he is, he's very high in, in all the stuff that I have guys, if you don't mind, go ahead, subscribe, rate review. We do appreciate all of that. Help us climb up those charts and help more people find this very here podcast. We're hitting outrights and trying to make some money each and every week here on long shots. Wes is red hot with the rest of the country stuff. We're really, really onto it. I think with a lot of these tournaments, we'll see with the test at the Honda with a field that doesn't really, really doesn't get you get you all that excited. But I'm sure it's going to get us more excited if we have us a Sunday sweat, boys. So that's what we're looking for here is just a Sunday sweat for Wes Reynolds, for Kelly Bidlin. I'm Matt Brown. Good luck at the Honda. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.